Welcome back to Stay in Your Lane. I'm your host, John Maley with Triple T Transport. Today we've got a very, very, very good subject we want to talk about, and we have some good guests, so I want to introduce everyone. Uh, Brian Pirano, say hello. Hello, everybody. All right. He's a Senior Transportation Manager at HB Hood. Now, you've been in that role for you approximately 30 years. Uh, you were with Crowley Foods, and when HP uh, Hood acquired Crowley many years ago, you've, you've stayed the course. So definitely that is correct. Uh, happy to have you on our uh, podcast. And uh, we also have Dennis Wilson. Dennis, how are you? Living the dream. Best day ever. All right. He's a fleet manager at HP Hood. So they both have intricate knowledge to share with all of us and with our viewers uh, as to what we're seeing from uh, a private fleet side. So for, uh, for myself, uh, Stay in Your Lane and Triple T Transport, we are more of the for hire carrier side and the third party broker side of the industry. And we would love to understand what you guys are, are dealing with from impact of cost, inflation, um, on, uh, on a regular basis over the past two years. What would you guys say, uh, and, and I'll let either of you speak, which would you guys say is your most shocking increase that you guys have dealt with? I would say right off the bat is definitely fuel. Fuel? It, absolutely. All right. Um, that, that's our biggest um, expense. Uh, we do have the benefit of having our own tanks on site, but um, you can see what the increases have been over the last couple of years. Um, and just trying to uh, overcome that increase uh, is, is not as easy as people may think. Now, um, I have had um, Joe Lombardo with Nestle said uh, when, when things got difficult uh, that they would always hedge by um, buying home heating oil stock and investing in that to try to counter the increase on the diesel for the fleet side. Uh, are you guys doing anything like that at Hood? Are you just negotiating for what you can get the best option? We usually negotiate what we can get for the best option. I mean, we do have some solid business partners throughout all regions, but we try to negotiate the best we can. But we we watch it. You know, we watch it very closely, and especially like Brian stated, you know, we have a lot of our locations have tanks on site. So when we're doing, you know, 8,000, 10,000 gallon drops at a time, right, we try to be strategic on that planning. I get um, notified every evening of fuel prices that come through, through a few of our business partners and you know we save a you know a few pennies off a gallon essentially but it's not what you would see say three or four years ago when it was drastic because usually when you buy in volume you'd get some pretty substantial discounts and we're not really seeing that a couple of years ago when you're paying 240 250 a gallon and now we're up to the 530s 540s um you know th there's there's there seems to be no benefit um any place that we can squeeze out of there. So, how do you how do you account and how do you build for that? We we didn't right, right? unfortunately don't. unfortunately we didn't it it hit so hard and so quick right we wasn't prepared for it. we you know just like any other organization we're going to try to budget and plan as best we can for our operating expenses and our overhead but you know at the end of the day when fuel prices you know even in, up in, in in my area when they'll change you know 25 to 40 to 50 cents per gallon overnight you you can't right so what uh what do you you know 
what do you guys think? Because there's there's so many parts to the fuel equation. You know, there's diesel fuel, there's some heating oil, there's um, there's so many different players that require it. So it's commerce, yes, and it's over-the-road trucks, but in the same breath, it's so many other things from a heating perspective. How do, how do you guys uh, forecast or try to project? What tools do you use? Internally, you know, we have a lot of individuals that, that budget for us, and, you know, we're going to look at a scale on what everything's done, especially over the last year, because this has been very unusual let's put it that way and on what's what's been happening and then you look at the aspect too is that you know and i'm going to date back some time here you know 10 years ago 20 years ago when everything was a complete opposite right diesel was very very inexpensive um it was it was cheap it was cheap at the pump um a lot of diesel vehicles out there now it's gone to the whole other side of the spectrum right when diesel now is more than gasoline and so we budget as best we can and forecast as best we can and look at previous. And, you know, I'd rather come out essentially ahead and save some money because I over budgeted right. for my fuel. Right. And, and kind of look like a hero, so to speak, instead of a zero. And but this has been so unpredictable because it's a roller coaster. It's it's up and down. And then, you know, we kind of went through this, too, when uh, probably six months ago. I had heard that we're going to be short on DEF, right? And that that rumor kind of came around too. And we actually experienced that down in Virginia when we was only being allocated certain amounts of DEF because they were nervous. And that was from a big supplier from us that it was going to be short. So now we're hearing the diesel part of it, the home heating oil part of it, that everybody's going to be short. Uh, there's not going to be enough. So... We try to be as proactive as we can instead of being reactive. We're looking at the prices. We're studying the prices. We're watching the roller coaster. And honestly, it's kind of, unfortunately, with a, you know, I think what a lot of people are doing, you throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think that's, that, I think that's what we're all seeing. We're in a different market than we were nine months ago, mm. ten months ago. Uh, I think the first quarter for us, the spot market was in was crazy busy. Thank goodness for us, that's not our that's not our home, right? We're not transactional people. We're looking for fifty-two week a year commitments and making fifty-two week a year commitments. But we've seen on our side, pricing have to be reviewed more, shorter term arrangements, because you can't nobody can forecast that far out. So you, you make shorter term agreements but long-term commitments, right? You try and keep your partners, people that are, are uh, long-termers together and you're, you're committed to each other. But so with 175 power units, when you, in, when you increase fuel over 100%, that's an astronomical hit to the budget. I mean, that, that's, that, that's your, that for sure probably is, is without a doubt your largest expense. But what about drivers' wages in the past two years? The driver shortage has hit us hard, right? Um, on the DSD side of the business, I'll use that for an example, that's um, that's that's labor-intensive, right? Uh, it's direct store delivery, right? You're handling the product, things of this nature, and you're hustling and you're moving. Um, and then we go on the Brian side, which is WFMB, uh, with his drivers, you know, they're... Um, they're they're gone overnight, things of this nature. 
um, the the trucking industry has changed vastly, you know, over the last 10, 15 years. Um, so we've we've tried to combat that on, and you you see it through a, a lot of other organizations too. But we've tried to combat that with wages, with sign-on bonuses, with um, reduction in work weeks, things of this nature, to, to try to attract individuals into the organization. And unfortunately, it, it's it's with the drivers now they can pick right and it the longevity you know fortunately with hood we have a lot of longevity within the company we have a lot of individuals that's been here a long long tenure and they essentially hang their hat at the end of their career and you don't see that a lot anymore through a lot of organizations where somebody's going to put 25 30 years in and hang their hat and you know, unfortunately, we, we see it, you know, that, that individuals jump ship for one or two dollars an hour and, and go down the road. But we try to with our benefits, our incentive packages, the sign on bonuses and, and, and the way we treat our employees top notch and try to for the retention. But, you know, unfortunately, we, we struggle, too. Oh, I think the industry is struggling in that regard. You know, um, truck drivers were heroes for everybody during the covid. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think that's over, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that, uh, we, we love you when we need you. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's the tough part. Now, Brian, do you see from your perspective, do you see hiring the, uh, DSD drivers or over the road drivers, one being more difficult? I think they're both probably difficult, but in different ways. Yeah. Uh, I would agree they're both uh, difficult because we're always looking for that next hire that we can get. Um, We actually benefited with actually getting a couple over COVID um, on our payroll. Um, So that did help us out a little bit. Um, But, you know, we probably, we say it all the time, right, Dennis, if we couple guys walk through the door right now, we'd be able to put them right on the payroll. I mean, that's the biggest issue. Um, Finding the professional courteous driver that we want to put on the road um, has um, been non-existent over the last two, three, four, five years, where before we'd have guys lined up out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not, um, you know, everybody says drivers are available, but it's getting that correct driver. Uh, so my side of the operation is kind of similar to yours, where we do that over the road. Um, so we act as the internal carrier for hood. So our guys go out in sleepers. Um, you know, they spend two, three, four nights on the road, depending on how much they, um, want to bid, um, for certain runs. Um, we're a little bit different than the DSD side. Uh, we're hitting warehouses and unloading pallets versus the physical labor of Dennis's side of the operation. Uh, but even finding those guys, um, you know, same, same with, uh, Dennis mentioned my fleet, uh, the, or my drivers, we have very advanced age guys and some young guys We're missing that middle gap. Um, and that was a lot of the job jumpers that you've seen probably over the last four five, six years. Um, so, the drivers are there, but getting the correct one um, on the payroll is is definitely an issue. With the implementation of uh, CSA 2010, finally in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, we saw a thinning of the herd, where many of our great drivers were in their 60s, yeah. and still did it because they enjoyed it, right. and that that was that gave them a reason to leave the industry. Right. Yep. 
they're, you know, they're done with that. So we, I think the industry lost a percentage of tribal wisdom also with that same transition. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a gap there in the, in the middle age gap that I think everybody's struggling with. Uh, you're also looking at, from an economy perspective and an industry perspective, when COVID hit, so many company drivers were in a position where they wanted to go be owner operators. They went out and bought equipment, got their authority, went up, you know, and, and they could make money. Even as expensive as the authority and the equipment costs were, they were able to make money because the market was so out of norm. It was a, what I would say a fake economy and a fake market, right, mm -hmm. during COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of those drivers weren't new to the industry. They were company drivers somewhere, right? Before they, they didn't mm -hmm. just, you can't just go out, buy a truck and trailer and get your own right. authority and not have no. a history, a good M clean MVR and all those things. So a lot of those guys went out and got their authority and, and I, what the numbers were from 2020 to July of 2021, there were 107,000 new authorities granted by the FMCSA, and 78% of them were one truck. Giving you the perspective, in our industry, outside of your fleet, 92% of trucking companies are one to six trucks. So now you're competing where they're competing for the same drivers, and you know we're all competing for the same driver pool, out of the same driver pool, but you know, have you seen any change since the economy's gotten tough and they a lot of them have sold off their equipment and going back to being company drivers? Are you seeing more guys come through the door now? On the DSD side, no. I mean, we've kind of, I've actually seen the opposite. So we've seen some drivers actually leave and buy their own rig and, and essentially hauling from themselves on an operator. And I've seen that on, on a couple aspects. And, you know, my father was a truck driver for 40 years you know and he said a statement to me so i have a cdla i used to drive and um there were truck drivers and those who drive truck right and it, and it goes back to what you had said it's it's just it's it's the whole occupation right it, it was a essentially a lifestyle for a lot and we're missing that now because a lot of them i think it's, it's just a job right and a lot of them took it very seriously but you know we i haven't seen you know as far as the onesie twosies kind of turning in their fleet because of cost and and coming over to us we've kind of seen the other way um i've seen you know one or two drivers essentially leave by their own trucks and and essentially went out on their own but you know i struggle with that on the perspective too when i step back as a business how expensive that is right so i look at that with the price of fuel the price of maintenance the equipment nowadays you know it isn't like it's 20 years ago where we could swing our own wrenches and fix our own stuff now with all the diagnostics and stuff so there's, there's a lot of barriers up now compared to what there was years ago right. that a lot of people are facing that you know if and we face it on our fleet when we we have trucks down weeks at a time because of emission related issues or what have you right so i couldn't imagine being an owner operator in that seat yeah i mean i think it's it's definitely a different game brian how are you doing on your uh over the road are you seeing more guys maybe available uh we might have seen a little bit of an uptick but again 
Um, I would say with the guys that have been coming through our door, it's more of um, maybe they're not interested in the type of hours. Um, you know, they're looking for that nine to five, no weekend type thing, uh, which we know in the trucking industry does not exist anymore. Um, so, um, you know, again, we, we've been able to hire a couple of guys over the last couple of years, but we did have many come through the door that um, just the, the scheduling, let's say, didn't work um, for what we needed that person to be. So, yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's definitely uh, a struggle uh, for all of us. I, I think that we're all hearing, you know, the same things, but I think that maybe some of the bigger fleets have gotten some drivers that have come back that maybe weren't successful for whatever reason. But overall, I'm hearing from the ATA that the driver pool is actually smaller than it was pre-COVID now. I think on the driver side, you know, when, when essentially you're, you're a driver, Sometimes opportunities open up where you, you don't have to either go over, over the road, be gone three, four days a week, things of this nature, overnights away from home and even locally. But I think some opportunities opened up for a lot of people that essentially walked away from driving, right? Because it's tough, right? It's, it's, it's not an easy gig. Hurry up and uh, wait. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, they can call them steering wheel holders, things of this. That's not what it is, right? The, right. the truck drivers that take pride in what they do, it's a breed. And um, sometimes it's tough, right? And you go out on the road and you have to deal with the people out on the road now. And we all saw this with COVID, essentially, because you go on the road, there'd be nobody there, right? We weren't fighting traffic, things of this nature. Now, and what have I experienced, the whole driving aspect now is tough, whether you're in a, in a car or in a truck, because it's just the way people are on the road now. And now we couple that with a DOT and things of this nature, right? It, it's a tough environment. And so I, th I just think some people on the driver aspect said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And just kind of exit left and find something else to do. Well, I, th I think, and Brian, you might be able to help here. I think that society has transitioned some too. Uh, where our, our younger people, I can tell you, uh, you know, when I was young, I know it's been a while, but believe it or not, it was, um, there wasn't much I wouldn't do to make money. Agreed. No wasn't something that came out. Mm -hmm. if, if you needed more and you're willing to pay for more, we're yeah. going to get it done. It didn't matter when I was 13 and mowing lawns. It didn't matter when I was, you know, in college or where I was. It didn't matter. It, we're going to get it done. We need the money. Um, the quality of life is is a priority today for so many. Lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, my personal time was really, you know, if I had something I wanted to do personally, I did that instead of sleep. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Right. You, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but, but I don't think the priorities are there now. I think the priorities have changed for many people. And then it's not a money thing at that point. It's a quality of life. So that makes the, the driver situation, uh, depending on what the job is, you know, even more difficult.